0: My name is Sarah Dudnitz, and you're listening to PR Hangover, a public relations podcast brought to you by Grand Valley State University's PRSSA chapter. All right, so I'm here with Chris Coons. Would you like to go ahead and just tell us a little about yourself, get us started?
1: Sure. Um, Gosh, that's like a really open-ended question. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So I am Chris Coons. I'm currently the um, social media marketing and communications coordinator for UICA, Uh, which is our local contemporary arts museum. I also um, teach part-time at Grand Valley, and I have my own freelance design company that I kind of don't have a lot of time for right now because of the other two things, but I still work with some clients uh, throughout the month every month.
0: Right, just a little bit on your plate, yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So um, where did you go to school?
1: So I um, actually uh, relocated to Grand Rapids for college. I went to Kendall College of Art and Design so before that I grew up in Kalamazoo, Mm -hmm. um, had really no intentions of ever moving to Grand Rapids. Um, I was going to leave the state to go to school and then some family stuff happened and my family asked me to consider staying closer to home, Mm -hmm. so for college I came up to Grand Rapids, went to Kendall, and uh, I I feel like that really solidified my love for the city. Um, I, like I said, had no intentions of really even coming here, let alone staying here, and so after uh, a couple years uh, living in Grand Rapids and going to school. Um, I started off commuting every day. I was like, I'm not going to move to Grand Rapids. I don't want a part of it. I know that sounds horrible. Wow, from so Kalamazoo, you Yes. Can... Wow. And then very quickly, that just re- <laughs> it was just a really bad decision. Because, like, you just, your of got, for those who can't actually see, your eyes <laughs> just got very large when I said I drove every day. So I stopped um, and I started commuting twice a week and then I eventually just said, forget it. I'm going to live up here. I found a place to stay up here Um, and then realized what a great city it is. And I fell in love with the city. Um, Some people joke that it's actually called gravity rapids because once you leave, you get sucked back. And so I did try to leave a few times and I have come back every time. And so for the better part of 20 plus years, I've been living here and I really do love it. I'm not just saying that because you're a Grand Rapids podcast. I'm saying it because <laughs> right, right. I have learned to love the city, um, and I think it was so much easier to learn to love the city. I actually was spending more time trying to not love the city. It was a harder deal to try and be like, no, I want to go back to Kalamazoo, or I want to move out of the state. And so, um, yeah, I don't, like, people ask me all the time, like, what's fun to do in Kalamazoo? And I'm like, I don't even know anymore. Like, it's Come to Grand so Rapids, no, though. Yeah, exactly. yeah, it's so nice exactly. here. Yeah, right. so.
0: <laughs> Gravity Rapids. I've never heard that before. I like that. Yeah. Um, So, if you could tell us a little bit about sort of your career up to this point, you're not strictly public relations, you're not strictly graphic design, you sort of merge a lot of different categories, which I think is really cool. So, um, sort of how did you end up where you ended up?
1: Yeah, so uh, I think a lot of it came out of the fact that I'm a child of immigrants. Mm -hmm. And so my parents had their own company and they did a lot of bootstrap stuff when I was young and it was um, interesting to sit on the sidelines and just watch them grow a company um, and to do all of the things that a small business owner had to do Mm -hmm. while also navigating um, the differences of the cultures that they had grown up in. Um, They moved over when they were young so it's Mm -hmm. not like they were the kind of immigrant who comes here and knows nothing and doesn't know the language. When they first moved here they had struggles but that was when they were children and they met here in America and got married so it wasn't um, as complicated as many other people have it, but it was still a difference for them. And they always had the um, idea that was instilled with them um, through their families that you have to make for yourself, and you have to do for yourself, and you have to learn for yourself. And so I think they instilled that in me, and um, which is why I kind of have my finger in all the pies, if you will. <laughs> um, I did start, like I said at Kendall, I went to school for graphic design. Um, and not long after I graduated, I started my own company and I started working with my business partner and we started realizing that we had to do all these things you can't just be he was a computer programmer more on website programming I was doing the design for websites and we realized that you have to wear so many hats not just as an owner who has to like figure out billing and figure out employees but also how to do marketing and how to do not just design but all of the creative that happens you know like with all the marketing, the PR and growing the business and sales and all the things you'd ever think about because you're just like, I'm going to be a great designer or I'm going to be a great programmer or whatever. And so wearing all of the hats um, and figuring out which ones maybe fit a little better and which ones fit a little worse and the hat to take off and the hat to put on, um, really helped me to grow in a couple of different ways and so I have really um, tried to excel more in not just design, but um, I call it creative problem, problem solving. <laughs> and so working with clients to not necessarily pigeonhole myself as a graphic designer, but listen to their problems completely and kind of look at all of the parts and pieces that would make that problem get solved. And that a lot of times does not just include design work, it sometimes includes a strong PR campaign or a marketing campaign. And how do you make those all fit together? And so over the time, um of the many years that i've been working in the industry here i just realized that you, you can there's definitely a lot of people who can be pigeonholed into one thing and are really really good at being a designer or really good at pr i just found that i could be a little bit more of the renaissance person who was able to kind of take a look at all of those things and creative creatively problem solve for a client mm-hmm. and a lot of times that also means not being the designer on the project it means like hiring a designer or working with a designer to give them what they actually need, not necessarily what I can provide them, Mm -hmm. and being confident and secure enough in myself to say, like, I'm not the designer for this, but I'm going to find the right designer for this and we're going to still make it happen. And that's a little bit more of like even a project manager role. Mm -hmm. And so you just kind of find yourself pivoting a little bit. Um, And then through the experience of owning my own company and then moving um, from ownership of my company back into the workforce and working for other people. I worked at a couple of corporations and I worked at a couple of small businesses and just really found that through it all, um, that was something that I kept finding myself doing, was just the creative problem solving. And so right now I work to creatively problem solve in more along the lines of marketing, public relations than design. I don't Mm -hmm. do quite as much design work in my current roles. Um, And then teaching is everyday problem solving. Mm -hmm young people staring at you and trying to figure out what to do with their lives and you're trying to help them solve those problems. So, and that's incredibly fun. I never expected to do that. And this is actually the third school I've taught with So it's it's fun. I enjoy that. So yeah. That's That's
0: awesome. Do you have, sort of speaking of students, I know a lot of um, students kind of feel like they're pigeonholed or they feel like they're supposed to kind of only wear one hat, so to say. Do you have any advice for students who kind of feel called to different things? I think if,
1: the, if somebody's feeling called to one thing, follow that, be passionate about it and do that thing. But if there is someone who is called, um, who's feeling stretched and torn and like pulled in a bunch of different directions, I don't think there's really anything wrong with finding a couple of different things that you can excel at. Mm-hmm. And I think really leaning into those things um, and there's, you know, especially at Grand Valley, but at so many other schools, there's great opportunities to... Um, you know work within cross-program education so you could minor in something completely different than your major Mm -hmm. um, or even just take a few classes in something and if you're out of school and you're listening to this you can still go ahead and do like adult education and try and find something or find a mentor who can answer questions about something. I just feel like regardless of you're a student or if you're an adult who's post-school or you never went to school, being a lifelong learner is going to be in your best interest. So if that means you're wearing 50 hats, great. If it means you're wearing one, you wear it really well. Mm -hmm. There are definitely those people who excel at that one thing. And, you know, like I said, sometimes I would go and hire designers and I would find designers that were just specifically working all day, every day in this one niche kind of design. And that's who I need to hire. And same thing with, you know, marketing people or film, video, those kind of people. Um, You just really have to work towards what you're good at. Because I think you excel at something and you become good at something when you love it. Mm -hmm. And so if you love five things, um, I'm not saying, like, for the parents listening, I'm not telling your children to be good at or to just do everything and never be good (laughs) at anything. But I think it's important to, you know, to understand where you have passions and maybe Mm -hmm. be able to ebb and flow a little bit from those passions or try to incorporate things um, into your main, like, whatever it is your main interest is. If you've had your big goal and whatever your major is, maybe find some complementary things that you can do um, ancillary and just do those things on the side or work on those things as a, as a pet project and sometimes it just may it means that you know you do have to learn more you have to watch online tutorials or you have to go find that mentor or take a class but i think lifelong learning and being willing to just say i want to learn something else about something else um, is just helpful for a, a person individually it also helps you be stronger at the thing is that is your core because you realize you have a different perspective and you realize you can bring something else to the table with that too.
0: Good advice. Um, so what, going way back, what made you interested in graphic design in the first place?
1: <laughs> this is such like a weird question. Not, It's not a weird question. I mean, I guess it's a normal <laughs> question, but I just feel like I have a really weird answer. When I was a kid, I doodled all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't pay attention in school very well. I would doodle on all of my notes and um, I was one of those people who kind of like it sunk in when you heard it but if I took notes it just was nonsensical I would read them back and I'm like I don't know what this says and so I would just doodle mm-hmm. um, and I think all of the time in school I was thinking like I obviously like drawing I obviously like being creative this is what I'm doing on the side of my notebooks mm-hmm. and inside of the margins of my books and all those things so
0: my parents oh,
1: god love them my parents um, made me do one of those online like at home drawing tests. I don't know if that's really a thing anymore, but I'm a child of the '70s, so <laughs> back then it was uh, or the '80s. I don't know who's listening to this. <laughs> I'm very young. Um, so you would go, like you'd watch late night television, and there'd be like this learn how to draw like little thing you could call in or mail. Probably at that point it was like <laughs> a stamp envelope, right. um, and they would send you like a little kit, and you'd have to draw all the things, and you'd send them back, and they assess, you know the how well you drew the things they told you to draw.
0: I've never even heard of this. this is yeah, I,
1: try, I I should look it up or like, but no one <laughs> right, yeah. no one can actually see it if I was to hold my phone <laughs> to your face and show you like what I mean. Um, so it was like this. Basically, it, today's standard is it'd be like you go on a website and you do like a quiz and they would tell you what mm-hmm. like what you're good at. This is the old school before there was websites, and so they right. would mail it to your house and you'd fill out the things. So I sent it in and um, they basically offered me a scholarship to do art and to doodle and draw. And I feel like now looking back at it, they probably offered everyone the scholarship because they just wanted you to like join their program and do their thing. Right. And so my parents told me that if I was that good, I didn't actually need to join their program. So I didn't need to use the scholarship. I could just start doing it on my own. So I don't know if that was them realizing it might have all just been a scam. You know, it was like the old version of the Nigerian prince who wants to give you a Right, dollars. exactly, yeah. Know, that's right. probably what it was. <laughs> So anyone who's out there listening, don't do that on right. assessment test where you mail in. I don't know. But I feel like that was always like the trigger for me because I was young then um, and I was like, man, that's exciting. Like they mm-hmm. thought I was really good at it. And people in school told, you know, tell you you're good at drawing if you're like doodling all the time. So that's what I started as, um, as just kind of like a doodler, mm-hmm. which then you realize very quickly is not a job. Um, and then again, I guess if you're drawing like the Sunday morning cartoons or something, it's like, it's a job to doodle. Right. But I uh, I just kind of realized as I started ending high school and thinking, I'm going to draw? And there was just a big question mark behind that. Like, I don't really know what that means. And what that, does that
0: look like? I don't know what that is.
1: And how do you make money? And how do you, like, make sure you have gas in the car and food on the table and pay your rent when you go out? Like, you're in high school. You don't think about rent. And then suddenly you're like, oh, I'm going to go to college. I need rent money. And so I realized um, quickly that I wouldn't be able to draw, I couldn't be creative, and I needed to be an English professor.
0: Yep, your eyes, say it
1: all again. (laughs) I uh, started school for being an English something. I thought the only thing would be an English professor because I don't know what else to do. I already speak the language, so I don't need to learn more of it, but... So yes, I'm rolling my eyes because it's such it's (laughs) such a ridiculous assessment of life to walk out of high school and think, now I'll be an English professor. I didn't even like school, like I've already said that. Well, it's can... just so
0: funny, cause I mean, you walk out of high school and like you don't even know what jobs. And I talk you I know. talk. to, you know, as an
1: aside, I talk with my students about that all the time. Like the American educational system is a little weird because you go into this high school setting and all of you are trained on the exact same things. Mm-hmm. And you're all made to take the same assessments and you're all given the same skills and the same tools. And no one's really told necessarily that this is the career path that you should do or that you shouldn't do or that thing that you're trying, like skip that and go to something else. Right. There's not a lot of, I guess you call them electives mm-hmm. in high school. You know, you go with your class, to all of the classes and you do yep. all of the things and if you don't like history, suck it up, you're going to do it. You know, that kind of thing. And, like all of us had to do calculus and then you're like, Wah? like why? You know? <laughs> and no so, sense. I mean, I'm sure there's calculus people out there who need it.
0: Who knows so, if they're listening <laughs> to this podcast. <laughs> I hope they are. They should learn more
1: about our jobs. Right. But... Um, So I think I left high school with that whole, like, nonsensical, I have no idea what I'm going to do, but the thing that I've seen being done in front of me Mm -hmm. is teachers. So I guess that's what I will be, is, like, I did well in English. I was in an AP English class, so that must be where I'm supposed to be, because they moved me into an AP class. I did that. Okay. And like I said, I feel like it was just that thing where you're in that moment of, like, getting out of high school and thinking, like, I have to do something that's going to put, you know, gas in the car. And I didn't know how drawing could do that. And it was in my first year of college when I was going to be like an English teacher and I took only art classes. And so I was like, I don't know how this (laughs) is working towards my major. I took a few of the required classes to try and work towards my major, Mm -hmm. but then I found myself just taking a bunch of art classes. And then I ended up um, dropping out after the first semester because I was like, obviously, I'm just spending money in a nonsensical way because I don't know what I want to do with my life. I don't know what I want, what I want to be when I grow up. Mm-hmm. And here I am supposed to be a grown up like in four years. And so I put it off for for one semester. Um, I had the luxury of having parents who owned a company. So I had the built-in job. Mm-hmm. I just fell back to them and answered phones for for that whole next semester. And kind of just talked with them all the time about I don't know what I want to do. And I'm sorry that I'm, you know, your college dropout kid and all of my. You know cousins are being successful and going through school all the things and you're just like trying to deal with it and then i realized that um again i went back to like that at home test and i was like they obviously made a career of telling me i could have made made a career whether it was a scam or not i really should look into that so i found a school in um, florida that i was planning to go to and like i said it ended up that a whole bunch of stuff happened and i ended up staying in, in michigan went to kendall but that was how that all like, the ebb and flow of it all wow. just really poured into this whole crazy story of thinking. And then I, I legitimately thought, okay, now I'll never be a teacher. Because that's not what hey, I wanted to do. And look at you now, do. you're a teacher. I was like, I like <laughs> I was like, I just won't be a teacher. It's not what I wanted to do. It's not what I ever wanted to do in life. And then fast forward, again, you know, like a decade plus, And I started teaching at um, Kendall. Then I taught at Ferris. And now I'm at Grand Valley. And so... Um, at Kendall and Ferris it was like one class then I was done the one class and I was done at Grand Valley it's been a handful of semesters now and I'm just really enjoying it but yeah to look back and think there was a point in life when I said I'll never be able to make money at design and then that's what I do for a living and I said I'll never be a teacher because I'm going to do design and here I am doing both so
0: moral of the story never say never (laughs) and and (laughs) again going back
1: to your earlier question like what do you do if you're like torn in a bunch of directions sometimes even when you think like I have to pick one life brings you full circle and says, mm-hmm. you tried to pick one, but now you're gonna do like three different things at once and that's how you're gonna live. And <laughs> right. So, and I love it, I wouldn't change a day. I mean, there might be people listening who are like, holy crap, you're doing so much and you're actually doing nothing. And I think that that's sometimes something that as, as someone who's chosen the path that I've chosen, I do combat that like personal like reassessment. Mm-hmm. Like really, am I doing anything worthwhile? And not to say it's not worthwhile to do design or not worthwhile to be a teacher, but it's none of the things that I really, like, went to school for necessarily. Like, I'm yeah. not doing so much design now. I'm doing a lot more marketing and PR, and that's not where my degree lies and all that stuff. And I tell my students all the time too, like, it's not necessarily about what the piece of paper says that on your degree it says you you did this schooling, so you have to do this for forever. I think a lot of times it's about challenging yourself, applying yourself, and finishing something, mm-hmm. and showing to the world that you went through that whole process of schooling and you went dove right in and you finished it in four or six years and then you you decided that maybe that's not the thing but you went all the way through it you, and you finished the project dedication. and i think your your future work your future employer and your coworkers, can look at that and be like well they're gonna finish mm-hmm. because i don't have to worry about them not finishing this project because they finished that thing and i know it doesn't always carry you through i know that that's like boiling it down to the most simple thing but just because you choose a major I have students all the time who are like, I'm in my sixth year because I've changed my major twice. And I'm just like, just stop changing your major. Just finish with whatever (laughs) and then go into whatever you love. And eventually, like I said, you might end up doing five or ten different things and then the world will spin you back around and make you do three or four of them at once and you'll realize this is ultimately what I prepared for, was Mm -hmm. to do these three things at the same time. And it might not be somebody else's ideal. You know, someone might look at me and be like, well, you opened a company but obviously you failed because you're still not working for yourself and I'll tell you like I didn't fail. I've been able to pivot, I've been able to live very comfortably, I've been able to do the things that I wanted to do when I had the company and when we closed the company it was a decision that my business partner and I made together and decided like we're set a time we had done it for five years and our lives were changing, the world was changing like when we started our company doing internet design it was in that like infant world of websites and then you know you fast forward five years and today we all know technology changes so quickly and like we say five weeks and something is a long time for something to stay the same in technology and back then five years so I look at it all and I, I wouldn't trade most of it for anything I mean I've been through a lot of things in life where it's like well I might trade that but for the most part when you look at it you need those moments too though right and it definitely helps you learn um, how to be a better person and how to be your true self mm-hmm. and I think helping to get to your true, true self in life, even if that does mean taking on, finishing a major that you think this isn't the right path for me anymore. Um, Or switching majors, like I'm not saying it's wrong, like if you think that that's what you have to do, or if you're going to move into a major that's specialized and you need to have that degree or to have some background or, you know, those things. Do it. And like I did. I mean, Mm -hmm. I started as an English major and then switched to I probably switched three times, but it all happened very quickly because I just was like, I need to do this, this, this. Okay, design. And and so I went into graphic design and yeah, that's has brought me to where I'm at, which is just a crazy (laughs) roller coaster of life.
0: It sure is. That's awesome though. Um, So to sort of do some flip sides, what is one of the biggest challenges you've had to face in your career? And what is your favorite thing about what you do?
1: I would say that they're kind of the same thing. And it's a little bit of what I just touched on. I think... So many times we have that um, imposter syndrome that happens where you look at it, you're like, I should be doing so much more. Or look at that person on Instagram or in the world of design or in the world of PR or marketing, whatever. And how come I'm not more like them? Or how come I haven't gotten that award? Or how come when I walk into a friend of mine's office and I see what they've accomplished and they have all these things hanging on the wall, and then I'm like, and I don't even really have an office? You know, it's like, (laughs) wait but do I but do I need to have an office you know like, do I make right. myself a better person because I have you know six or eight employees or do I have like a framed something or, anything, yeah. or whatever and so I think that's the downside right mm-hmm. like thinking that you aren't you aren't that whatever the that is uh, because you're kind of being baked into the idea that that's the right thing for the industry mm-hmm. or the job or your role or your age mm-hmm. or how far you've come, you, or how long you've been doing what you've been doing, you should have hit this milestone or that milestone. And on the flip side of it, like I said too, the fact that I've been willing to pivot and the fact that I've been willing to, like, take everything that I was doing and box it up and say, I'm done doing that, and I'm going to move. I moved out of the country, I moved out of the state, and like I said, I came back. And every time I did that, you have to, like, box everything up and start over. And a lot of people look at you and they're like, I don't think that's smart. And then a lot of other people look at you and be like oh my gosh I wish that's the life I could have mm-hmm. and I, I made you know those kind of choices to say I want to have these experiences maybe above driving the super fancy car because I've owned my company for a really long time and I've gotten to that point point. and I'm not saying that's wrong right like the people who have right, run their companies everyone, and yeah. done really well and drive the really fancy car I drive a car that I could buy with cash because I was like, <laughs> I just want the car. Right. I need to move on and I don't want to have right. a loan because who knows what I'm going to do in three weeks or three months. Yeah. And so I think for me, that's just the choices I've made. And so I think, like I said, it's a double-edged sword because there is a lot of good mm-hmm. um, because I can be super excited about the things that I've been able to do, the experience I've had and the ability to travel and to pivot and like, oh, now I'm a teacher. Okay, let's do this for a while and see how that is. And Every semester, I'm like, this is the greatest thing and the worst thing, you know, like it's the best and the worst of everything. And then at the same time, I think there's that easy ability to look at other people's lives and be like, I wish I had more of that thing. Mm -hmm. And that thing might change every month, like one month, you might want a better relationship and one month, you might want a better bank account and one month, you might want a better car. All those things, we just look at people and I think in today's world in 2019, 2020 we are looking at everybody presenting their best life on instagram and living their best life they're not living their best life they're just showing us their version of their best life and it's all we see Mm -hmm. and i think a lot of times then you go home and all you see is yourself in the mirror and you have a lot more of an ability to just rip yourself apart and say Mm -hmm. all of the negative things i heard someone i don't remember who said it but they were like if why are you talking to yourself in the way that you would never let your friends talk to you or you'd never let a stranger talk to your friends. Like, if somebody stopped you on the street and, like, you're ugly, you'd be like, no, like, I'm, gonna, <laughs> right, yeah, I'm yeah. not going to take that. But we say that to ourselves every morning. You, like, do your hair, and it's like, that isn't right. Just, I'm just going to walk out of the house ugly today. You know, it's like, wait, you would never let somebody stop your friend on the street and, like, tell your, your best mm-hmm. friend, like, her hair is atrocious. atrocious. And then you're going to say that to yourself in the morning. It's, mm-hmm. it's just such a struggle to live any life but especially a life where you think that you can criticize yourself for not being quote unquote as successful as maybe you thought you'd be, or maybe that other people project onto you that you should be. And I think a lot of times I just have to look at it and be like, I've done all the things that I want to do. I might not have a Ferrari, and I might, I don't know if I ever wanted one, but that was just the first (laughs) car that came to mind. might not drive a Tesla? I really do want a Tesla. (laughs) I might not drive a Tesla today. I might never drive a Tesla, but, at the same time, I'm fine with my little Chrysler that gets me where I need to go and all the other experiences that I've been able to have because I've focused on doing things in life. And sometimes it's doing design, sometimes it's doing marketing, and sometimes it's really helping and being passionate for nonprofits. Or maybe it's like going somewhere and doing something that you think might be helping to change the world. And I went, I mean, I went down to help with Hurricane Katrina, not because I've ever done anything like that. And I'm not telling you that to be like, pat me on the back. Just like one day I was got a call and said, Would you like to come help us do some mm-hmm. stuff? And I was like, that is an experience I should say no to. I have no skill set for it, but I can't say no because I'm potentially helping someone and getting an experience that I'll never have an opportunity to get again. Mm-hmm. I think that's a lot of times what it is, just taking the opportunity to have an experience which might draw you away from your opportunity to make a bunch of money or drive the car that you had of your dreams. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, i tell another quick side story. I just had a student the other day who said to me, you know, my big desire in life potentially right now is to drive a Porsche. And I just wanna own a Porsche. Like I look at people who drive a Porsche and I think they've made it. And I was like, I've got, I've got a better idea for you. Here's my plan for your life. Rent a Porsche for a weekend.
0: There you go. And then you're done. You've driven a Porsche. (laughs) Check that off. Check it off your
1: list. Move on. I think there's ways, again, to creatively solve your problems. Mm -hmm. If you're stuck on this one thing, like driving a Porsche. um, And who knows, he might one day own a Porsche and I will be celebrating every moment of him driving it because it's (laughs) a great opportunity for him. But if it's just a matter of you just want to be able to be behind the wheel of something that you think is an amazing vehicle. Rent it or go to like one of these like race course right. places where you can like drive them fast for a weekend or a day or an hour and then move on and go do the things that you think you love in a bigger scheme. So
0: Good creative problem solving. Right. Just rent right. it. Like, I, I never I, would have thought of that. And it. I said I've done it. Like yeah. I've flown to L.A.
1: and I've rented a Porsche because I was just like I have this moment where I need to drive the car that the person I'm looking at is driving and the thing where I had that moment of like imposter syndrome Mm -hmm. and I was like I feel like I should be doing something different and bigger and better in life and then you go out I mean I just say LA because I feel like that's where everybody could rent a really expensive car and so I just went out there and I rented one and I was like this did nothing for me and I can't imagine if I would have taken out the loan to buy the car and paid for the insurance and all the things and I'd be like oh my gosh now I'm poor Mm -hmm. (laughs) but at least I have a Porsche at (laughs) least I've got
0: that going that's interesting um, too because I think As we sort of get out of college and enter, quote unquote, the real world, whatever that means, um, we're sort of starting to experience that. And people, you know, people who might take longer to get their major are saying, well, everyone else has already graduated. That's where I should be. Or everyone else is already getting job offers. I should be there. Why am I not getting a job and things like that? So that's it's a tricky place to be. But that's. Well, sometimes you get a job
1: offer too soon. Mm -hmm. and you take a job offer and then if you would have waited three months, you would have gotten the job offer you wanted. Exactly. But we took the first thing and then we stopped looking. Mm -hmm. Or we kept looking and then we have that struggle, right? You go home one night and you're like, I just accepted a job less than 90 days ago and now I got the job offer of the job I really wanted. Do I quit? Do I leave this all behind? It's been 90 days and I'm having fun. And now, listen, I have this dilemma where I'm going to stay up at night trying to figure out, is this the next thing? So, and again, that's not wrong. Mm -hmm. It's just sometimes if you think that you have to be into the next thing or you have to jump into the career or you have to get the big paycheck or the job offer, you have to take the first one because it's there, sometimes it just doesn't work out for you. Again, yeah. it, it might work out and, and probably would work out. You'll just have to be creative about the way you've solved that problem in your life too.
0: Right so in graphic design i know you mentioned too that technology is always changing nothing is ever the yes. same for more than five minutes right. um what sort of changes or trends do you see in the work that you do like how do you feel like your work is changing whether that's through technology or just in general
1: yeah it's, i mean i think the biggest change is just globally social media is you know mm-hmm. i think anyone you ask this question to social media is just going to be the answer because it's been one of the biggest changes in our lifetimes mm-hmm. Um, and I think from a design standpoint, we've gone from when I first started designing, it was a lot of print design. Mm-hmm. It was um, I worked for a book publishing company. You worked on books, and you worked on paper, and you worked on high resolution photography, and all of those things. And now you like pull your camera out of your pocket because it's attached to your telephone. And you know these aren't things <laughs> we would even have said right. when I was starting out in the industry. And so now everybody's you know a high resolution telephone camera is almost the same as a high resolution, like giant box that you have to carry around right, with a strap around it, it. Yeah. And I think that's the biggest thing. But then in that same way, one of the other shifts that's completely attached to it is that nobody even needs high resolution, right? Mm-hmm. We were looking at images that come across our screen that you're looking at for three seconds and then they're gone for forever, potentially. And I think that that's a lot of the changes. You, we used to be de- designing for something that we would hope has longevity we would hope that it has a shelf life and now you're designing like a lot more for a lot more consumption for a lot shorter lifespan. Mm-hmm. And I think everybody has this shorter attention span. Everybody's sliding up on their phone to see the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And if you don't capture their attention, you know, they miss it completely. And even if you do capture their attention, you know, they're in it for it's what 30 seconds, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think that's a big change It's just shifting your mentality that, I don't have to create something that's super, super high resolution. I don't have to create something that has a shelf life for six to eight months necessarily. There's still the projects that do, Mm -hmm. but I think that so much of our mindset now is a lot faster, a lot more. Mm -hmm. You know, when you get a design project now, it used to be when you got a design project, it was one item you were designing, and now it's a whole set of. Things because you have to have one for Facebook and one for Instagram. And you have to have one for a story, right. and maybe they want to do Snapchat, and then who knows if they're going to use Twitter, and and then have you heard about Pinterest? And it's like, wait, what? Like all <laughs> of these so things get again. dumped onto you, and then next week they're going to have a new one that they're going to try for a week, and then Google Plus is going to come and go, and then you know, there's all these things that are going to happen. Yeah. Um, you know, and to say social media is the biggest change in our life, it's the biggest change that just keeps changing, mm-hmm. and so every week and every month. And, you know, that's a huge exaggeration to say that it changes every week. But you know what I mean. It's just like it changes so frequently that, you know, if you follow the trends, even like just if we look at Facebook and how often they've changed their image size over the years. And every time I have a client who comes to me and says, I want a Facebook image for this, this, or this, or all of the things, you have to go look it up and be like, what size are those this week? Because (laughs) they might not be the same aspect ratio that they were last month. And then you've got to design for mobile and for desktop. So I think there's a lot more work. But the um, the customer, the client doesn't necessarily value it anymore. Mm. I don't mean that they don't value it at all. I mean that they don't give a greater value, even though you're right. doing, you know, ten different sizes, ten different ratios. You know, you, one might be really tall, like a story is tall, and a, a Facebook post is wide, mm. and the client just is like, well, it's the same picture, but it's totally not. Mm. When you're a designer, you have to think about like, how do these things work together? And I can't just move the re- move the words around on top of the photo and that right. kind of stuff. You actually have to redesign it but the client looks at it as like one collection and mm-hmm. to them that's like one little tiny it. box so i think that's the biggest change is that people want a lot more and don't want to pay a lot more and, and everything is shorter. like so fast yeah. so they need a lot more and yeah. it's not just one more thing in the same project suddenly they have like 10 projects in the same window that they used to do maybe one project so mm-hmm. it's a lot more And I mean, you can definitely, as a designer, you have to know your own value. You have to be willing to charge people for it. And if somebody doesn't wanna pay for it, you have to be willing to say, that's fine. You don't have to pay for it because I won't do it. And you know, be able to know your own self-worth. And even when you're having those moments of like, I need to succeed and I have to pay rent, still be willing to say like, I'm gonna not take this project because I'm not gonna make money. (laughs) I'm gonna have to take the next project that comes along um, or hustle my way into something else. Like, there's no shame in being like an Uber driver, or a ship deliverer, if that's what you have to do while you're trying to start your own company or to yeah. like really hustle your way through something. Um, there's a lot bigger shame in saying, like, I undervalued my services and I went for the cheap because I just needed a few bucks. Mm-hmm. And I'd rather that people say, I'm going to Uber for the weekend and drive people around and make some new connections, and make a five minute friend, than to say, well, I just, undercut myself because i needed the money mm-hmm. and i think that's also you know like a tragedy that we do in our world right now is we just say well i just need i just needed more clients i'm a student i needed to do it for my portfolio if i have one more person who says can you do something for your portfolio i'll be like i don't even know the last time i showed my portfolio <laughs> that's like, a good i don't point. <laughs> know the last time <laughs> right. that someone asked me for my portfolio i walk into a project and I'm like if you don't want to hire me because of what you've heard about me or seen or i've already done then i might not be the right fit for you and mm-hmm. maybe it's because i'm old and arrogant that's fine And I think young people just need to be a little bit elevating themselves to a point where they're saying like, I am worth more than what you just offered me. Mm -hmm. And if you can't see that, go find someone else who can do it and be willing to walk out of the room with their head held high and say like, I just valued myself. Because that helps you in so many different areas of life. It goes back to the whole looking yourself in the mirror. Like if you're constantly undercutting yourself even in your work, you're gonna constantly undercut yourself like even when you look in the mirror. So like put your head up high and value yourself
0: Know your worth and know yeah. your
1: worth and like own your worth, like live it and just say like you. I understand that you have a budget. I also have a budget, and I have to be able to pay for my gas. And I have to pay for my rent. And if this isn't going to work out, it's not going to work out. That's cool. Like I can go find another project, and you can go find another person to do X.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. My last question is, um, what advice would you give to yourself at 20 years old? But you've already given so much advice. <laughs> do you have any more? Hush.
1: I think I would tell myself not to be such a punk kid, but then I <laughs> feel like I would not turn out this way. And
0: right. I don't know,
1: I tell my students that like, they're either gonna love me or hate me because I am a person who will walk into a room and just be like, this is how it is. And like, I'm, I tell them on like day one, I'm gonna swear, I'm sorry in advance, but I'm not sorry at all. Once you're in college, you're an adult. I'm not mm-hmm. gonna treat you like your high school student or your high school teacher. Um, and I also tell them I'm an asshole. Like, like, right away, I'm just like, you're going to think I'm an asshole because everyone thinks that their teachers are assholes. And it's the same way I walk into business. Like, I don't mean to be an asshole, but I do value myself, and I value the choices that I've made and the things that I know that I want to do next. And I know that those can't happen if I'm undercutting my own value and mm-hmm. if I'm trying to, like, scramble and scratch and, um, and all of that. And I think when I was 20, I was learning that from my parents. They had a very strong self-worth like a sense of self-worth and they were very much like you know like we have worked really hard to get where we are and we're not going to undercut that now even though the industry they were in was taking some tumbles and there was a lot of like stress in their lives they didn't the first thing they did was not like put out coupons and do 50% off everything and join the Groupon craze they were just like we're going to make it work and Mm. I think when you can again sit on the sidelines and watch that happening it's a lot easier and people listening to this might be like, well, it's easy for you, but I just need to pay rent. And it's like, yeah, I get it. But there's a lot of stuff out there that we can do, especially in today's world where everything's like a gig economy. Like take on a couple other side hustles and make it work.
0: Yeah.
1: And and I don't know. I feel like what I would tell myself at twenty is so different because twenty years or when I was twenty, grief. <laughs> I don't know, Was there even the internet then? <laughs> like, you wouldn't know.
0: Yeah. I was one.
1: <laughs> right. All right. That's enough. <laughs> I'm gonna walk out of the room now. No. <laughs> no, I think I think I would tell if I had to give 20-year-olds advice, not my own self at 20, I would just say find your own self-worth. Know that you have value and that you already have a lot of the skills that you think that you need to learn. You just have to kind of dig deeper and like understand that a lot of things we tell you to do in school, or a lot of things that like your boss will tell you to do, and you just like get deer in the headlights staring, like I don't know how to do that. You actually do. And you just don't maybe know the term or you just haven't learned how to like hone that part of your skill set. But if you've chosen a career and you've chosen a passion, there's likely like that spark within you that helps that thing, whatever that thing is, come out of you. And I think it's just really understanding that you do have a lot more worth than I think right now a lot of us feel we have. Because again, I don't mean to like harp on Instagram. I use it every day. I probably post more than anybody I know. And I'm posting pictures that are amazing because my life is amazing and that's the problem, right? Mm -hmm. Because they're not and it's not. And I think we all look at other people and elevate them and automatically like de-elevate, I might've made that word up, ourselves. Mm -hmm. I think it's just about 20 year olds out there if you're listening, like you're worth a lot more than you think you are. And you need to come to terms with that and understand that you have value to your friends, you have value to your neighbors, you have value to your community. And you probably already feel that, but you don't necessarily always understand you have value to yourself. Mm-hmm. And understanding like you need to find that within yourself to be like, I am worth so much more than I think I am today. And get to that point and you'll realize every day if you wake up and you look at the mirror and you're like, you look amazing, you are doing the right things. It's a lot different day than when we wake up and look in the mirror and say like, Ugh, I'm like a piece of crap, or oh, I look terrible today. Like, there's days I look terrible. I'm not gonna, anyone (laughs) who can't see me today is not one of those days, but (laughs) there are many days where I'm like, I just look a mess. And you just have to move on. And Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to say like everything is Pollyanna and rainbows and glitter. It is definitely hard days, Mm -hmm. but I think we all have those struggles where we just try and like beat ourselves down. And the world is Mm -hmm. gonna try and beat you down so much itself. You don't need to be like joining in that parade. Like give yourself some buys and like definitely take the time to realize that you have a lot of value, even if you're only 20. Like at 20, I think a lot of times we're like, oh, I don't have any life experience. No, it doesn't matter. You have 20 years behind you and you'll have another hopefully 20 plus 20 plus 20. And like there's just so much value that people have, even as young people. And I think today's world doesn't always gift people with that. Or even the fact that I just call it a gift. It's not a gift. You worked hard to get to 20. Mm -hmm. like own the fact that you worked hard to get to where you're at and do the thing that you want to do because it's what is passionate for you and if you can find that passion you're going to excel at it and you'll get to 20 plus 20 plus 20 and be like I was a badass at 20 and I'm glad I was what I was when I was 20 so that when I'm as old as me I'm old (laughs) like I can can say like I'm glad I was 20 I'm glad I was who I was at 20 and I was way more like shy I was way more like introverted and Mm -hmm. I think I've just, you know, I've, I've learned it, and I'd love to be able to share it with other people that you have to know, like, you're an amazing person even when you're, quote-unquote, just 20. Mm-hmm. I don't, that totally awesome. didn't answer your question. No, right? it That's totally did. It totally like, did. I'm going to give you the answer I want. <laughs> I
0: love <that. laughs> Well, I appreciate it. Well, thank you so much for being here. Chris. Yeah,
1: thank you. It was a lot of fun.
0: I hope you've enjoyed listening to PR Hangover. If you'd like, you can give us a follow on Twitter at GV underscore PRSSA, and you can check out our show notes at GVPRSSA.com.